I want you to picture a Twinkie some 600 feet long and 40 feet wide. That's the situation we're facing. Jason DeLuna, Trevor Iflute, Kevin Flythe, Damian Ashburton Dunning, Renee and Jay Valentine. Tell them about the Twinkie. And this one goes out to you. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, podcast, the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 439 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Hello, future people. Maybe you're not future people. Maybe you're people from the past that have come to the future looking for great entertainment. Maybe they are. Well, if you are one of those people and you've downloaded this podcast, (laughs) God. He just managed to step on all three of us at once. It's the rare Steven Schlicker hat trick. You have stepped on my thoughts. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, a joke. Go ahead. No. (laughs) Too late. I want to laugh. He's done now. Yes. How long have you been married? Because you know this is just exactly what that is. No. No. What's wrong? I'm fine. Oh, no. I don't even. It's just like, okay, you're fine. See ya. I'm going to go get a beer and (laughs) go uh, buy some expensive things on the internet. Yeah. Which is beer. Yeah, he's just gonna buy buy <laughs> beer on <laughs> buy beer on the internet. The yeah. bars here are awful. Have you heard my new band, Internet Beer? Yeah, <laughs> we're hoping to break big in 2013. So, um, went and saw what was the movie I saw this past weekend with the boy? Um, Brave Two is that out yet? No, Brave <laughs> Two is not out yet. Uh, some kids. Oh, uh, Paranorman. Oh uh, yeah, rather interesting. Uh, it's a zombie movie. But also one of those touchy feely movies uh-huh. where well, yeah, the zombies uh, definitely have want to, to touch you. Well, it's not it's not yeah. like a mass zombie outbreak. This uh-huh. is there are a couple of weird things that I thought were rather peculiar. Now it's a PG thirteen or PG uh, rated movie, and I thought okay maybe because the dead and the zombies and body mm-hmm. parts falling off and trying to kill people and that could be maybe a little intense. Yeah, but there are a couple of things that I thought were really surprising in a family oriented movie. Mm-hmm. The first. Uh, first of all, not homophobic, don't really care, but the, um, big hunky football player, mm-hmm. uh, which, who's helping out Norman and his high school aged sister, who's totally in love with the football player, uh, at the end, just totally playing at dumb jock. And at the end, she's like, well, maybe now that all this is over, we can go see a movie. Oh yeah. My boyfriend would totally dig that. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> nice. And, and so it was just this swerve that I was like, okay, you know. In a family-oriented movie, you know, that could be something that could get a lot of people upset. Mm-hmm. The second thing about this movie, and this is a big major spoiler, so cover your ears. La, 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 if you've got your earbuds in, it's already going to be a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, you're actually going but, to hear it louder and clearer. Slagathor. Uh, there is a um, the witch that they talk about. Uh, the way this curse went is that um, um, this person was accused of being a witch, and so they hung her. Killed her. Mm-hmm. And before Dang. she died, she put a curse on the judge and the jury, the people that came forward. So seven people. And those are the people that come back from the dead mm-hmm. uh, 300 years later. 
Turns out as Paranorman or Norman investigates what really is going on at the big climax of the movie, it isn't some haggard old person. It's an 11-year-old girl that... That is evil? Not really even evil. She just had the power, like Norman has a power, to talk to dead people. Mm -hmm. And they killed her as a witch. Wow. An 11-year-old girl. Oh, so in the... In, in, the, the past, in the past, they killed a child. They killed a, a child because they thought she was a witch because she could see dead people, too. Okay, I see that. And I was like, whoa, really? Killing an 11-year-old child? And that's the that's your key point of your movie. Uh, I can did understand. She, did she weigh the same as a duck? Well, she obviously died. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, she was no, heavier than a duck. She was heavier than a duck. She was heavier than a duck, so it's a fair cop. So I just found those two things kind of surprising in a what's kind of... It's not G-rated, granted, but as a family-oriented type movie, mm-hmm. uh, my son could care less. Didn't even right. didn't even face him, but uh, uh, you know, I was just like, "Whoa, that's a a ballsy move!" Because in this day and age, you've got people who want to picket and riot and burn just about everything mm-hmm. that they don't agree with. So right. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, which brings us to this discussion about ratings systems. We've talked about rating systems before and had a really good rating system. Zach, you have a question about the rating system. Yes. So this past week, my friend, that who is a girl, and I were looking for a movie to watch. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> and I'm skimming through the red box, uh, and I'm looking for a movie, and there's nothing good. And but I stumble upon this title called Piranha 3DD. Yeah, three double Ds. Three double Ds. Three double right. D. And so I click on it just to see what funny movies that are supposed to be good are being made recently. And I see like the ratings is like graphic nudity and gore and violence and language. And it's written right. R. Right. It's like, well, that's interesting because I watched a movie a couple months ago that came out called Shame. It starred Michael Fassbender and it rated got an NC-17 rating and. There is definitely some nudity and uh, language and not very much violence or drugs, but pretty much just those two. So, but it was presented in such a way that it was not a, hey, look, there's boobies on the screen, which mm. I would assume this 3DD movie is. Mm, yes, and very much. I, I would assume so. On the 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, my question is, should artistic value of a movie or whatever take into effect when a rating is given for the movie? That is an interesting question. That's a, that's a tough question. If it's a huge question, if you were inside the mind of the ratings board, maybe you could get an answer. Right. But as we've seen in our discussion of, um, uh, this movie's not yet rated in that documentary. Yeah. Oftentimes it's at the whim of whatever yeah. those people ate for breakfast that day. I mean, mm-hmm. if you listen to Kevin yeah. Smith, when he talks about uh, uh, Red and State and Zach and, and Mary make a porno, um, you talk about how it's just so wildly mm-hmm. crazy in dealing with a ratings board system. So it could very much be that day you got the person who's more conservative than the person who reviewed the other movie the day before who's maybe not as conservative. And right. this deserves an NC-17 and this right. one deserves a rated R. A G. Or G. I don't think we'd see any boobies yeah, in, in no. a G movie. Probably but um, that, that is a really good question. See, and the difficulty comes, it's that same question. Well, it's, I guess, related to tangentially the question that Stephen always asks, which is, why don't they just stop making crap movies? <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, 
it's when you say should artistic value be taken into it well you in you immediately introduce bias because artistic value to you or i even artistic value to you or I is going to be a vastly different thing, right? Right. And we're not, you know, we're not entrenched bureaucrats working for, you know, the the well, federal government or whatever the NPAA does. You're really asking what is art, and certainly with um, some of the uh, yeah. controversies that uh, PBS is going through right now, or even the the National yeah. Endowment of the Arts, National Endowment of Humanities. I mean, you go back, uh, was it the '80s with Maplethorpe, and yeah. this is art, and we're funding this art. How could that be? Uh, so art is very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, what we find entertaining can be very subjective. I was talking to a new group of students today, and uh, I really expected most of them to say, yeah, Sports Center, ESPN. Uh, but they were talking about some shows that I'd quite frankly not watch. Josh Poino, have you seen that on Comedy Central? Tosh. Tosh. Tosh Poino. And I was like, is that like iCarly? We've all seen Tosh Poino. I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's been on for like six years. But then again, I don't really watch television mm-hmm. and really some of the stuff on comedy central isn't that funny anyway mm. um ever since they took off mystery science theater um yeah. <laughs> back, hey! in, back in 1996 <laughs> you kids get off my lawn <laughs> what craig kilborn <laughs> isn't on the daily show anymore what? he's not <laughs> bring back joel um but art is so subjective it, it, especially in this i thought when you when you were talking about this pre-show i thought you were talking about Art direction, like uh, a Tim Burton <laughs> style, does that yeah. deserve its own rating versus a... Oh, right. um, Although, I mean, I, that is part of the question, because if you are watching a uh, white sphere with eyeballs attached to a super lanky body uh, stop-motion monster do something morbid versus right, right. an actual person do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Does that get a different rating? Of course it does. Right. There's an implied thing that goes along with theme, which is, I think, kind of part- partially what the question gets to. What Zach was getting to is, here are these things, blood and boobies, mm-hmm. but in two different movies, they're presented in two different ways. Right. One movie makes you feel sick and dirty at yourself for watching it, and in the other one, there's piranhas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also the question of when you talk about an NC-17 rating, the initial expectation is, no, this is bad or dangerous or somehow uh, you know, it, it'll curve the children's spines. For me, there is nothing in Piranha 3 Double D that is, and again, I've seen this movie, that is necessarily going to cause... A, you know, a child to have an adult thought process or be troubled by things well above their comprehension level. It's just, you know, silly fish eating people and that girl has no top on. I well, was, I think, I, 10 or 11 when I started going, hey, I want to see girls with no tops on. I was probably 16 before I actually got to. And I think that's mm. a good thing. But I, if you say, you know, I haven't read the, or I haven't seen the other film that Zach refers to, shame, blame, yeah, shame, frame, Shame. Shame. I have not seen nor heard of this until you mentioned it because, well, I live in a cave like you do. <laughs> that's that's the one and where at the end the cowboy is is going away shame. and the kid runs out and yes, shame. shame. Well, I think I think this is where I think this is where it boils down to um, maybe answering your question is it's really all about context. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's done in a humorous light and it's supposed to be fun and joyous, 
Yeah, I mean, come on, NC seventeen. What's it gonna What's it gonna harm if those boys are peeking through the hole at the girls' shower right. and seeing seeing boobies, as opposed to something where the serial killer is peeking through the hole at the girls in the shower and then he kidnaps them and murderizes mm-hmm. them. That's going to be something completely different in context. Right. And I think that may be, I think that may be what it boils down to. Right, oh, Rodrigo okay. or, or not. I mean, it's context, right? I mean, you can say, um, warning, bad language coming up for parents who are listening to this in their car with their kids. You can say, ah, fuck. Right. Mm-hmm. And that probably isn't going to get you that NC 17 rating. Mm-hmm. But if you say, I'm going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to get you that rating. Well, it's, it'll get you closer, certainly. Yeah. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll it'll be another tick in that column. But but that's kind of the problem is that the the ratings don't appear to be set in stone. And again, because you are rating art, and I, I, by that I don't necessarily mean high art. I mean because you are rating like a, a, a bundle of of impulses that are somebody's self expression of any right, sort. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, people's creative output yeah it's it's going to be completely subjective on what you are receiving and on what you are and what you get out of it but absolutely i mean it's it's based on context it's you know the the difference between uh you know something that's hilarious and something is hor- that's horrifying are the consequences if after a horrifying car crash um, you see the main character flip over the uh, the 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 trunk and be like, "I'm okay." Then you're watching a comedy, right, right, right. Um, right. You know, if if you think about like the horrible one of the like the horrible pileups and like the Blues Brothers, right, right just right, like right. cars <laughs> crashing right, right, into right, each right. other in every direction, right? It's a comedy, so either you don't see it or you do see cops like crawling out of the right, right, right. out of the windows so you see John Candy this is car 55 We're compare that to the first RoboCop movie where uh Red is all been dipped in the acid and goes stepping out in front of the car and RoboCop yep. blows him over and he turns into a pile of of liquid yep Goop. yeah the I difficulty mean, with context is that context does have an element of point of view, and point of view is entirely subjective to the viewer. Um, it, it comes back a, several, several years ago. I, I used to hang out on a particular website, and everyone there was much younger than me. And I would try and entertain them, and you know, do stuff, and I would make much jokes, like and no website? one would get them. <laughs> you can uh, snap. <laughs> Die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> We would get to the point where I would say something and somebody would come back and they had a whole thread about dead baby jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were two people who did not find the dead baby jokes funny. It was me and another guy. Both of us at the time had a baby in the house. The context of a dead baby joke was not funny if you actually touched a baby on a daily basis. That was the only thing that we could find that made this funny or not funny. Because, I mean, we've all, you know, we've all had that point where it's like, I'm going to say something tasteless and awful, but that something tasteless and awful, say you, you know, you're doing a movie about piranhas biting girls with big boobs, right? You're doing that piranha, 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 and the guy who's rating it for the MPAA happens to have a brother who was eaten by a shark. Somebody somewhere just giggled. Somebody did. But if that person is the one looking at this and going, this is wholly inappropriate, we have to think about the children, you know, it's going to make a difference. That context, that point of view 
introduces that level of bias. So if we say we have to take artistic merit or artistic value into play, we're basically kind of saying, I don't know what it is, but I'll know it when I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that slides onto that slippery slope argument. It's just is interesting to me. I don't think that the Piranha 3WD should be NC-17, but the Shame movie, it just the it was a it's a it revolves around a man who is addicted a sexual, to sex, sexual, sexual addiction, addiction. Mm-hmm. and it there are scenes in there where it's he's having sex but it's almost uncomfortable to watch at points. There's a one he tries to build a relationship with a woman and they go to have sex but he can't, and then it cuts to another scene where he has a prostitute and he's able to have sex, and so just the yeah. the manner of what is presented. If you go on IMDb and you click on what why it's rated everything and you go to the sex nudity category it says none of this sex is erotic so i just thought right that, it's interesting it's like my my friend tried to tell me about this great movie with jennifer conley naked in it and i'm like oh yeah if you watch that movie that <laughs> is like a, a horrible a dream that is a horrible movie i mean yeah. it, it, horrible like, in the way just dream. like you're saying totally this is not erotic at all there's nothing erotic about the nudity and the sex in that well film. just the, just and the whole story film, is terrible i mean terrible oh, in a way but horrifying of, depressing I think that film was yeah. rated r wasn't it we're probably we're pretty sure yeah so it's rated for a restricted audience <sighs> would it have been a different movie at nc-17 I don't know. But I will say that as a rated R movie, it managed to have sexuality. It managed to have adult themes. It managed to have Drug some abuse. gore. I mean, there, there's yeah, a guy a, loses yeah. his arm because of an infection. Yeah, there's an on throws panel, up in a, um, throws up in, a in the prison dinner. Yeah. Just, <sighs> I mean, there's horrible, horrible, disturbing adult stuff going on in that movie. And there are so many other places where you can see Jennifer Connelly naked. You don't have to see it in this movie. Yeah. Inventing the Abbots as one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I've only been able to watch uh, that movie once. Because it is because it's or the Requiem for a Dream. Because it is so and this has oh, been sure, like what? Sure. Uh, Ten years ago? Well you are you fifteen only, years ago. Unless unless that's the type specifically, the type of movie that you're most into, there's you only need to see Requiem for a Dream once. You really only need to see Memento once. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But I mean, this is maybe one, twice this so that you can that go was, back and be like, oh, that was a thing that was happening. You know, this yeah, is yeah. one of those movies that it's just like you start out going, huh. And then as it progresses, you're just like, hmm. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, God, no. Like, oh, God, no. Stop. Make it. Ah! We got a winner. And then you. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw it but away you and you never watch like, it again because it is that disturbing. It's a Darren you Aronofsky movie. It is. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and those Aronofsky movies, those will knock they you for They are. Hey, the, <laughs> I think Eternal he's brilliant. Sunshine, oh, yeah. Did he do? Yeah, did he do Eternal? Thing. Yeah. Well, he also Ooh. did uh, Pi. Well, Pi is brilliant, mm-hmm. but he also the did the uh, he also did the uh, the fountain fountain with Wolverine in it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that one really, was, that one was very the disappointing. The thing about the mm-hmm. wrestler for me, and you get to the end, it's an it's an Aronofsky joint, so you know terrible things are going to happen. Is how the ending is simultaneously horrifying and transcendent all at once. Sure. Because the last scene is the character climbing up to the top rope to hit his finishing move, knowing that he seems to be having a fatal heart attack, and he may die and he may not die, and you don't see him die. That's disturbing. That whole movie, you know, not going off on an Aronofsky tangent, that whole movie is incredibly disturbing and incredibly adult, I think, once again, rated R. Well, very few, I mean, 
you have to be the only movies that really hit the NC-17 are the ones that have graphic depictions of sex. Mm-hmm. So you've got Showgirls, you've got Shame, you've got uh, <laughs> what's the one with uh, that is not a depiction of sex. Leg, I don't know what they're depicting. Leg crossing. Um, Oh, basic, basic instinct. instinct. I mean, those are your NC seventeen leg crossing ratings. Scene. Basic instinct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, you don't see an NC seventeen rating in a movie like um, Wild Things mm-hmm. uh, that has uh, uh, Kevin Bacon walking around full frontal. You've got Denise Richards and there's no and, there's no boobies in Wild Things. Yeah, no, there, there are there are there boobies are. in Wild Things. You're just not looking. I mean, actually, <laughs> yep. right in front of you in that movie. Denise Richards and uh, Nev Campbell. Ne- you don't see Nev Campbell. You do see Denise Richards. Yeah, you do. See I, Denise I, I saw this movie when I was like I don't know seventeen or well, something like that. So yes, I have that scene <laughs> memorized, burnt into my retina. So you know, it's okay. you really Maybe have I've to have graphic like depictions of sex <laughs> mm-hmm. in order for it to really get that that NC seventeen rating. So yeah, don't know if that answers your question, Zach. Yeah, it's only open some questions. It, it, we should well, we should talk about Bill back, Murray. Whether I think the presence I, of Bill Murray should earn an NC seventeen. I want to see that uh, that new movie that he's in where he plays uh, Roosevelt. Hmm. Um, it's all about time him traveling Teddy Roosevelt. No, 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 not time. World. No, no, no. This is uh, FDR Roosevelt, hmm. uh, where he's oh. going and he's got a um, what's the name of it? It's something something on the park. I forget what it is, but it, it's supposed a Bill to be really, Murray really film. Yeah. Oh, is it a? Uh, Royal Tenenbaums guy movie? I don't think so. The Royal Tenenbaums guy movie? Yes. What's his name? What's his name? You mean Hyde Park on the Hudson is what the name of it is. Mm. And it is... Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. The guy who did that and he did um, all those other things that Otter Disaster loves. Life Aquatic and... Yeah, the one about the school. Rushmore, thank you. Those are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? I didn't write it. What do you want wanting me? I'm not a sad trombone. Shut your hole. (laughs) Get up out this chair. So, uh, I just want to, I just want to find something out. Hyde Park on the Hudson on this. Um, wasn't he, oh, never mind. Director Roger Mitchell, writer Richard Nelson. So not, uh, oh, not the other way around. I loved Richard Nelson Riley on Match Game in the 70s. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you guys have no idea what that is? No, I I, I do. <laughs> I don't. Uh, because, because Weird Al made a song about it. Oh, okay. All right. Dumb Dora was so dumb when she couldn't remember something, she said she was drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> I just cracked myself up. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Nobody got that joke. No, we did. Gene Rayburn, look it up. He's he's not an X band. Um, Although Rayburn would be a great superhero. Is, is this a serious topic, Rodrigo? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, not terribly. Let's talk about El Diablo. Right. So um, today, somebody just randomly brought up the devil in conversation uh, at work. <laughs> but should, but should I mean should that really be surprising? Because we are in flyover Bible Belt. That's true. That's true. I mean, no, but but it was in a really weird way. Um, so I was. Uh, this was a political debate, and one of the so one of the, the or the moderator asked both of the candidates, 
whether they would reach across the aisle and 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 do bipartisan things to 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 better the the the, the legislature the legislature and the the lives of the people right so one of the guys went all out he was like yeah I do whatever it takes you know I don't care I'll talk to a Republican I'll talk to a Democrat I don't care you know I'll reach across the aisle I'll go for help for anybody who will you know help me improve things I will take ideas from anybody I will take an idea from old scratch. And I'm pretty sure that most of the people there didn't know who Old Scratch was. I, you know, I looked over at uh, my um, boss producer. N- no, this was this was my this is like the boss above that. Mm. Um, I looked over at her, and she gave me this look like this guy is full of crap. <laughs> Um, kind of look, but it wasn't like she right, wasn't right. like, oh my god, I can't believe she just said that. And, right, right, right. And really, I was surprised by it because it's such a weird thing to say, but it brings up uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that if you look at the history of um, certainly American, but but perhaps even wider sort of uh, European. Um, fiction. Mm-hmm. There is one character that appears very frequently, and one character whose characterization varies incredibly wildly, and that's the devil. Oh, sure. The devil is never played the same way right. in most things. You know, if you watch um something where somebody is possessed by the devil, like a movie where somebody's possessed by the <laughs> devil, it's like the scariest thing in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. If you listen to Devil Came Down to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Then the devil's really not that scary. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, I love that song. They they yeah, play yeah. it really well. Yeah, yeah. Um. And and what the devil does is kind of cool. But you know, he gets he loses to a farm boy. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, or I guess to a country boy. Who knows if he actually uh, does any farm. Lived in the country, but not on a farm. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Um. Uh, he 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 mines the store. So depictions of the devil in fiction are that way. Sometimes it's played for very, very comedic effect. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite new Twilight Zone episodes had Sherman Helmsley in it where he uh, was trying to solve a mathematics equation. And he's just like, I would sell my soul to the devil if I could get the answer. And sure enough, the devil shows up. Yeah, Ron Glass. And he's wearing, every time you cut to him, he's wearing a different t-shirt with a different slogan on it. And they have this yeah. debate back and forth, and it's very funny. And, um, you know, the the big uh, question that Sherman Helmsley asks is, is there any place that you can go to that you can't come back from? And the devil's like, no, I can go anywhere. And or, There's nowhere in the universe that I can't go that I can't find my way back to you. And Sherman Helmsley says, get lost. Yep. And the devil's like, ah, you've beaten me. You know, right. and, and uh, fire in the mountain, <laughs> Rambo, run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you have the um, uh, what is the um, the old story set in uh, colonial times mm. um, where the guy sells his soul to the devil and then they have the tri- it's the trial of crap what is it one of our listeners will know uh, but essentially Daniel Webster Daniel Webster and um, the guy's put on trial with all these villains throughout history and the devil is defeated because. The guy had already given his soul to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simpsons played that up in a Halloween special. Right. Uh, but in that case, he's very shrewd and very sly. And mm-hmm. as you said, in Amity, not Amityville, but uh, 
Um, well, in The Exorcist, Exorcist. In The Exorcist, even in the movie, do they actually say he's the devil? Because I know that in the book, he is like a like some weird Mesopotamian a, demon, a demon. Right? You know, we could say a demon, uh, right? Uh, and you know, there are a number of number of different demons that you know you could you could find. I mean, right, right. Uh, but you know, you look at something like Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. the that's the devil, right? And it's. Right. Pretty scary. I mean, I, I saw most, that. Most little babies are. I saw that movie recently and I was like, bleh, bleh. I, I, you know, I, I haven't mean, seen I, that movie. As an adult, I saw it. And I, I haven't like, seen bleh. that movie since I was like 15, I think. Yeah. I have to watch it again. You know what I really What funny. I really find funny mm-hmm. is off and on over the 30 year run of Saturday Night Live, the devil will show up as a character on um, the weekend update and be interviewed. Mm-hmm. For a while, John Lovitz was playing the devil like this, but lately, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is a devil. great devil. But this is the thing: Have you seen Jason Sudeikis also playing Jesus? The exact <laughs> same mannerisms, character, speech patterns. And the thing about Jason Sudeikis is the devil that's wonderful is he'll come out and he's got this red suit and he'll talk to me. He's like, "Yeah, Seth, I got to get back to my day job. I work at the DMV." <laughs> And they, they play this for laughs, and in his final appearance, I don't know if it, his final appearance to date, I should say, they're talking about the Paterno trial, mm-hmm. and the devil doesn't know about it, and Seth leans over and whispers in his ear, and he's like, Real? really? Oh, God, I quit. I quit. I'm done. And he throws down his devil cape, and I'm just like, what? And the, car- the devil quits because of what's going on, completely played for laughs, mm-hmm. kind of hysterical. But you have to wonder if there aren't people going, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is inappropriate. And, well, they could be. You know, everybody has a right to be offended by anything they want, I suppose. But Guess it's context. it just strikes me. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that context again where Jason Sudeikis is really funny. And he plays the exact same mannerisms. They did a sketch where he was Jesus talking to Tim Tebow and telling him to cut it out. <laughs> He's like, come on, come on. Dial, well, so, it, dial it back, dial it back. I like me too, but come on. Is is it just amazing that there are so many different names and depictions of how the devil is portrayed? Or well, that's part of it, certainly. Or that they that the devil has become such a popular character in in well, fiction. There are there are devils and you know demons in all sorts of iconographies. You can find somebody oh, sure evil, the anti, a what, whatever. A lot of what we call quote unquote the devil is really, you know, a melange of all sorts of different things. Oh. The old scratch thing is kind of archaic mm-hmm. to me, and it's a, it, it may be something that he picked up, and he, it may be something that he knows exactly what it means, but it's so archaic that maybe it's like... It's, it's like the, the Dickens, is yeah, when yeah. people say, yeah. run like the Dickens or something like that. That's what that means. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or what in Sam Hill, you know? Mm-hmm. All of the things, it may be that... He was he was speaking archaically to try and get people, kind of like somebody at my workplace always says dandy. Mm-hmm. That's just dandy. You know who says that? Nobody says that. Jed freaking Clampett says that, <laughs> and, and and Buddy Ebsen's been dead for fifteen odd years, so nobody says that. But so that one person says it. I've actually started fighting back by saying the Bob Kelso splendid, but that's just you know neither here nor there. You know, Buddy Ebsen played the devil once. Yeah, in that uh, yeah. Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, in that one Twilight yeah, yeah. Zone episode with Sherman Helmsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The other old <laughs> Twilight Zone episode. One of the funniest things, and this is a complete digression, Ron Glass as the devil, one of the shirts that he wore, 
his shirt slogan changed every time you cut yeah, back to him. Every time you cut to him. One of it said, hell is a city, much like Newark. Yeah, yeah, If you've ever been to Newark, now that's freaking funny. It, it's, it's, if you guys haven't seen that, track it down. It's just it's a wonderful. I Newton. It's from the 1986 Twilight yeah. Zones, written by Joe Haldeman, who's one of my favorite science fiction writers. Go dig it. It's awesome. It, it really is. And you guys really, I think you would get a kick out of it just in the way that it's, it's played up as a smart comedy. It's not. It's a very it's smart comedy. Just the fact that they're changing his shirt with every yeah. take mm-hmm. and hoping that they don't have to. Gehenna. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just <laughs> nice. But, you know, if you yeah, go like, back and look at uh, Dante's Inferno, there's totally different devil there. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's true. Do you have a you have an issue with the devil? No, I stay away from horror movies because I'm a wussy. So <laughs> I don't watch any of those. So really? my favorite, yeah, I don't like horror movies. They freak me out. But interesting. Uh, but, but I mean, have you seen like the the Brendan Fraser Bedazzled? Oh yeah, no. many oh, times. My I, favorite devil probably comes from Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Mm. Oh, okay, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> be you angels <laughs> and we said nay, nay. we are but men rock <laughs> thanks thanks yeah. Zach yeah how to get Matthew to sing <laughs> not not that hard that's a good one but you you look at it and I don't know if it means something. I don't know if it has any particular religious expectation. But to some degree, the devil is kind of an archaic concept to many people. And I think you see him Mm -hmm. as not necessarily a joke character, but kind of a placeholder in some cases where we need a character to to be this archetype. We need a character who's like, we need somebody evil. Okay, Uh, throw in Shepard Book and glue some horns to his face. I think that it's it's that that archetypical thing when you break it down you can have a lowercase d generic devil I guess it should say kind of floating around the universe who's you know a vegetarian I don't know but I I lost what I was saying there because I was totally 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 trying to remember the name of the character the name of the actor who played Sherman Helmsley which should tell you something about my thought process at this hour of night. The, the name of the actor who played Sherman Helmsley? Exactly. I'm okay. sitting here going, who played Sherman Helmsley in that episode? That uh, is what my brain said to me. Guy just died a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Sherman Hemsley. Yeah. Did he really? never, never married, interestingly. Hmm. Phyllis uh, Diller passed away. Phyllis Diller passed too. away just the other day, too. And Korshak. Uh, it is not a good year for 70s icons. It's some, it's some, there was an interesting, and I, I, I think we've talked about death before, and how, I don't know, unless I have a personal connection. If Rodrigo died today, mm-hmm. I hope he do, never does. Hope he lives forever. Don't but, you know, I would write an obituary for Rodrigo up on the major spoiler site. I've never met Stanley. Right. So when Stanley dies, and people are saying, "Oh, I hope he never dies," he's going to die, mm-hmm. right? Unlike me, you're not going to see an obituary about him because. I don't have a connection. I have nothing to share except Stanley created all these comic book characters and lived a long life, and then he died. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Did some awesome cameos. But um, 
true. There's an th- interesting thread over at the Major Spoilers Forum uh, where they're talking about how do you deal with death of famous people that you like or something along those mm-hmm, lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I find it very fascinating because when famous people die, kind of upsets me about as much as when people I know die in that it doesn't affect me that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only celebrity death that ever, ever bothered me was, you know, Rodrigo, you were there. You were the one that broke it to me. Oh, crushed yeah, my Steve spirits. Jobs. Steve Jobs. We sat down to play Critical Hit, and I'd been busy all day, hadn't followed the news. And it's like Rodrigo walks in the door, and he's like, "Oh, so did you hear Steve Jobs died?" And I was like, "What?" And it just, I was upset for that whole night mm-hmm. of of playing and that. If but you then, find that episode too, it's it's obvious. Oh, it, through yeah. not just that episode. I but think I made the a comment recording session. I think I make a comment somewhere about mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, this is the reason why I'm all down. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that's the only celebrity death that has ever affected me. Do you get affected by celebrity deaths, Zach? Uh, I'm not sure I've been alive enough for any celebrities I've looked <laughs> up to. They've actually died yet. I'm thinking about it. Steve Jobs. Yeah, so, you know, Jim Belushi uh, wasn't born yet. No. Uh, uh, Chris Farley, no, sure, alive, certainly wasn't. Uh, or was it John Belushi? Yeah, Shirley Temple when she died. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, well, no. So that fact, nothing, no one that I've looked up to or followed their careers. What about uh, Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger. That bother you? No. He's I, even too young for he, that. He, he, no, I've watched, uh, well, I've seen A Knight's Tale and Dark Knight. I think that's the only movies I've seen with him in. Probably. See? But then he, I was he, still like... He uh, is too young for... Oh, oh, crap. What's that movie called? The one that's taming up, that's secretly taming up the shrew. Ten Things, Ten I, things hate I Hate About You. Have you ever seen Ten Things I Hate About You? Nope. It's got... Uh, what's her face in it? Uh, Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee no, Cook. That's, she's all that. Oh, she's all that. Okay. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, I had her name, and I just lost it. Um, What'd she do? Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles is the, is the girl in... The cooking lady who talks like this. Hello! No, that's Julia Child. <laughs> oh, I was confused. So wait, wasn't it wasn't Julia Child who danced with Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You? Yeah, it, it was her. Actually, it's funny. There's, there's this meme going around on Facebook because uh, Heath Ledger and... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Gordon-Levitt are both in that movie. So yeah. it's like the Joker and Robin, quote yeah. unquote, uh, are, are both in that movie. So celebrity celebrity deaths bother you, Matthew? Did uh, uh, Randy Savage's death? Uh... Randy didn't. I remember being really, really, really upset the morning I found out that Sam Kinison died. Mm-hmm. I was at work on my way to work, and I heard this on the car radio. Um, certain ones do. Steve Gerber passing away hurt. Because I met Steve Gerber and had a conversation with him at a particularly boring uh, comic convention. And he let me, he waited until I went and bought a copy of Adventure into Fear number uh, 19 so that he could sign my first appearance of Howard the Duck for me, which I thought was pretty awesome. Certain people do. Uh, Davy Jones last year, Davy Jones left me in a funk for quite some time. Simply because, you know, not necessarily because I knew him, but because what he was responsible for was very important to me at a time when I was, you know, like Zach, uh, branching out into the world and seeing my age hit two digits, you know, doing things that grow and change and absorb. 
Shut up. For Matthew, yes. <laughs> um, well, one thing that's interesting is the things that really bother me are the things that are creepy. Have you ever heard of the movie A Took or A Took? No. No. This, some this Japanese is a tentacle is, porn thing. No, it's a movie that's supposed to be about a basically an Eskimo. And the first person who was uh, attached to this movie as a star was John Belushi. And he was attached to it roughly 1982. John Belushi died of a drug overdose in 1982. So it was passed on to the next uh, character actor. And a few years later, it ended up in the hands of another heavy set comedian, Sam Kinison. In 1988, Sam died in 1992, movie still unmade. 1994, this script became attached to John Candy. Wow. John Candy died almost 12 years to the day after Belushi died. So then the movie was passed on, and then they attached it to another young actor, a man named Chris Farley. Chris Farley died in 1997, and um, you know the writer uh, Michael O'Donohue actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage, which he wasn't a chunky comedian who was supposed to be starring in this movie. But it's something where things like that, to me, are are, are affecting things where you know the the actual input of the person is important to me sometimes, but more often it's a really, you know, this really weird thing happened or this happened and, and something terrible. And then, you know, nobody knows whatever happened to, you know, Wallace Beery or whatever it was. So I would say, yeah, to some degree, because I think you attach an emotional significance to music or movies or what have you. And then when part of that goes away, you know, when, the lead singer of the monkeys is not there anymore. Your monkeys albums don't go away. The monkeys episodes don't go away, but that little part of your mind that goes, Hey, maybe they'll get back together. I don't know. I remember being really, really mad, not because it upset me, but, um, in 1980, my grandmother said to me, Oh my God, they've shot Jack lemon. <laughs> and Math. what she meant was John Lennon. <laughs> and I I remember being really, really, really emotionally attached to that one for an entirely different reason. Uh I I I guess death doesn't uh doesn't bother me that much. Well, uh, you know, I, I, it you know, kinda uh, depends on how some, you look at it. Yeah, some people place a lot of value on the people that create the things they like. Some people place very little. I place very little. I guess I do too. On yeah. on on the authors themselves. I mean, I understand that without uh, you know, uh Bruce Tim, then those awesome cartoons weren't gonna get made. Right. And you know, I mean I mean Dwayne McDuffie right. is a great example, right? Right, right. right. You know, yeah. hugely influential guy in comics and animation very important he died and sometimes i think to myself wow what else could he have done mm -hmm. where where would he have taken us next well I, you know I, I, so I, many great ideas so, and and in that sense in the sense of that curtailed potential then it does yes. it, it does affect me to a certain degree but i'm i mean i don't mourn him because i didn't know him right exactly and i think that's what was with me with steve jobs was oh we're not going to have a really cool product ever again from Apple. <laughs> you know, it's like, look what everything that, that driving force, that passion that he had for driving it, you know, that part of what made Apple, Apple is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I was kind of more upset about than 
here's a guy who we'd known for six, seven years was could go at any minute. And I guess I guess death, celebrity death especially, uh, doesn't bother me because the circle of life. You know, everybody dies, right? right? Uh, everybody, everybody dies, and it's just a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take the good and you, you take the bad. I mean, with take them both. You take them both there you have. There you have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're too young for that. No, but it's funny for rhyming. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it when words end with the same sound as other words. That Sesame Street demographic that we're looking um, for. Um, uh, well, there's a whole other conversation that, that we could talk about PBS that I went off on this week. Mm. When, are, when are you guys going to do a Kickstarter so I can donate and I don't have to give my credit card to PBS and be harassed by um, flyers in the mail every, every week? You know, PBS... Uh, PBS is not a network as such. Right. PBS it's is a, a network loose, of yeah. P- PBS is a loose confederation yes. of stations. Right. So you know there is a um, I forget what the title is, but there's kind of a president of mm-hmm. PBS. Mm-hmm. But everything is always like, hey, do you guys want to do this? Well, some of us do. Okay, you guys go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of stuff. You know, I mean, PBS is a very loosely connected thing. Like, somebody in Boston is like, hey, guys, we just made a new show. Who wants it? Oh, we do. Oh, no, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so that's kind of how it goes. It's not like NBC coming down well, and saying, everybody's going to air this. But, I don't know. PBS has something, has a special place mm-hmm. in my heart, mm-hmm. and probably yours too. Oh, certainly. Uh, in my wallet. In your uh, wallet. Of course. And I think for everybody, PBS has been a um, a big influence in people's life, whether it's Sprout Network or PBS Kids or just the PBS channel itself. Mm-hmm. Great performances. Nova. Nova, Nova is like- Frontline. My I mean, God. PBS, I mean, I, there I mean, was a PBS, time. If nothing Can you else, believe this, Rodrigo? There was a time- mm-hmm. Where you only had ABC, NBC, CBS, a couple local affiliates, and your local PBS channel. Amazing. I was lucky I had two PBS channels. One out of Kansas City, one out of Topeka. Mm-hmm. And I hate rerun season during the summer mm-hmm. when you don't have cable and you're just watching the same comedy over and over again. You switch to PBS. You you watch other things. You learn your alphabet. You learn your rhyming. You learn about uh, Bert and Ernie. Mm-hmm. You learn about La 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 Lemon, right? Right. And... When I discovered Nova, it was like, a I don't Nova? know, it was like a Nova, supernova in the sky. Uh, wow, um, wow. You know, great performances. Yo. You know, the first time I ever really got, no, Bert, listen to me. You know, the only time I ever got Shakespeare, the first time that I ever got Shakespeare, was a great performances of the Flying Kara Mazov brothers uh, doing, um, uh, God dang, what Also, well, that? that ends well? No, it was, was that a comedy. It was a comedy of errors, is what it was, and it was brilliant. And I was like, "Oh my god, I get this! I, I, I finally understand Shakespeare now mm-hmm. because it's presented in a com- comedic way in which it was supposed to be presented." Right. And then I got to see uh, for the first time Into the Woods before I got to see it live on stage with mm-hmm. Bernadette Peters. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then I discovered Nova, and I was like, "Oh, look at all this great stuff!" And I discovered my favorite scientist of in the entire universe, Richard Feynman, from watching uh, a Nova special about him. And I kept all this stuff to myself because it's like, oh, my God, look at all these great things that are on PBS. People are going to think I'm crazy if I tell them I'm watching great performances in Nova and Frontline. And, and uh, they had one called POV. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still That's run still, that. Still doing it, yep. Independent filmmakers. Yep, independent filmmaker there, showcase. There was a great, um, was it Masterpiece Theater? Uh, Robin Williams' very first serious role was on PBS, was a PBS movie that, mm-hmm. that was made um, based on uh, Saul Bellow's book. And it's a wonderful performance. I was keeping all this stuff to myself, and then one day I'm sitting in science class, and this girl piped up about, well, you know, last night on Nova, they were talking about this, and I was like, What? You watch Nova too? And the next thing you know, everybody in class is like, yeah, we watch Nova and we watch, and everybody was watching Nova. Mm-hmm. All discovered independently. I am Spartacus. All watching independently. All, I'm Mandelbrot. And it took that science class, <laughs> it took that science class to a whole nother fractal level. Yeah. Um, just because everybody now had something that we could focus on. And it wasn't an assignment. It was something we were all doing out of the joy of watching this show a shared experience, even though we weren't all sitting around the same TV watching it together. Mm-hmm. And to think that someone wants to rip PBS out of our lives mm-hmm. is more upsetting than the death of Heath Ledger or Phyllis Diller or Steve Jobs. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I work for I work for a PBS station. Right. So uh, to me... I had always watched stuff on PBS, and I was like, okay, PBS is the educational channel. But it wasn't until I started working for PBS that I realized sort of what PBS's uh, MO is, what what, they're, what the idea behind PBS mm-hmm. is. And that is that the people that are, tell- that are putting stuff in front of you to watch are companies, they're advertisers. Mm-hmm. If something sells then that's what you get to watch. If something right. doesn't sell, then you don't get to watch it. Right. Whether it's good for you, whether it's bad for you, whether you are whether you like it or not. You know, if you like something on TV, they'll take it away if it's not yeah. selling well enough. My generation found out about Doctor Who because of PBS. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It's not so with PBS. PBS is kind of like your parents in a way and that they will do things that you don't necessarily like at the time because right. it's good for you right because pbs says you know what somebody you need to learn about uh the legacy of samoan football players yeah you know you need to learn about these people who are alternately forgotten and oppressed and how the only way that they've gotten ahead in the united states is as wrestlers for mm-hmm. ridiculous professional wrestling or mm-hmm. football players mm-hmm. right there's a documentary for that or narrated, wanna... narrated by the rock excellent i gotta <laughs> see that one or you can watch a documentary about the very first man to cross the united states in by a car. car yeah and it's a it's two hours of just jaw dropping is he gonna make it and it's it's wonderful you can you is can he... watch there's a uh, nine hour documentary on no, it's eighteen hours. I forget. Is it each part an hour on baseball? Baseball. I don't. I don't remember how long it is. There is one on World War II. There's a great one on jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, the national parks. Mm-hmm. And then what was it? He had one other one. Oh, he's done uh, Prohibition is the latest right, one that he's right. done that I've watched. He's done one. I mean, That's, just his, the, this American the, the Ken this American Burns, Life. Yeah, the Ken, Ken Burns, Burns documentaries. Uh, this American Life, or uh, not this American Life. That's uh, that's NPR. Else. That's NPR. Don't <laughs> confuse the two. Yes. Don't ever confuse the two. And that's uh, that funny story. You know, uh, NPR came under fire recently, and we had people calling us and pulling their membership from us because they're like, "I can't believe you fire that." Uh, was his name Juan something? Oh yeah, yeah, I know who you're um, talking about. And uh, we were like, "Sir, sir, sir, uh, sir." 
we're not affiliated with NPR. Right. We're a different entity. And you know, just just so you guys know, PBS and NPR are two different entities. And but the corporation for public yes, the corporation for public broadcasting also a separate entity. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that I think people have trouble with is that PBS operates. Uh, you know, in front of you the same way that another TV station does. Mm-hmm. And you imagine that there's this, like, pyramid where there are bosses on top and the money goes up and down and things almost like that. Almost like a scheme? Uh, almost, <laughs> yes. But but that is not the case. Uh, PBS gets its funding partially from the government. Right. Um, most of its funding comes from people. It comes from corporate underwriters. Mm-hmm. But there are strict rules about basically turning... Uh, the money that the underwriters are, are bringing in and not turning it into advertising. Right. Like, it, right. you can't have, very like, a call to action. Wording. Very specific, right. very specific wording. Uh, so, you know, to to most people, to a lot of people, I think, watching TV at home, they're just like, what do these guys keep interrupting my show? Yeah, and, every 15 and, minutes of... And, uh, and begging for money. The but the reason, the reason why PBS does that is so that you can keep watching that show. Pick up the phone. And, that... Uh, that no one else is going to put on TV. You know what? I don't want to pick up the phone, Rodrigo. I don't want to give my credit card number to some stranger on the other line. Mm-hmm. I want to go online and say, here's oh, my can, pledge dollars, Smoky well, Hills you Public can, Television. You can, uh, you can pledge online to us. Can I? Mm-hmm. Do you have it on your website now? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, a, it's secure. You can go on. Well, then I will go and do that. Yep. Because I believe public broadcasting has a place, or PBS specifically has a place in... Yeah. Society. There's a book down there at the bottom, American Cinema. Mm-hmm. It was a CBS series, or not, a PBS series, mm-hmm. hosted by John Lithgow. Gives you the entire history of American cinema up to um, the very early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, funded in part, and this blew my mind when I saw it, uh, Hugh Hefner funded mm-hmm. a major portion of that documentary series. And I was like, why is Hugh Hefner doing that? And then you go and find out that Hugh Hefner did that. Because he loves movies mm-hmm. so much so that he wants to share the experience about the history of the motion, uh, motion sure. pictures. Uh, you know, in, in PBS, you get to see the people who are disenfranchised making their own movies that are not going to get shown in on major networks. You know, mm-hmm. movies about, uh, you know, poor neighborhoods, movies about, you know, uh, you know movies by women, uh, you know, made to talk about the female experience in the United States or wherever they're from, you know, which is something that, despite the fact that there sure are plenty of female movie stars, you know, all the movies, you know, a lot of the movies still written by men, still written for men. Um, so, you know, through stuff like POV, where you get to see independent films, you can actually get the experience of being in someone else's shoes, of, of thinking for a second, you know what? My life is completely different from this person's, but they still inhabit the same universe that I do. Mm-hmm. How is this possible? And then, you know, kind of coming to an understanding that, you know, your life and the way your life works isn't isn't necessarily even the norm. And even in the country that you live in, you know, forget the rest of the world. Well, I'm donating to public television. And I think everyone else should, too. Yes. And you should specifically donate to my public television, <laughs> regardless of where you live. No, I mean, I, seriously, people. I mean, uh, there was a comment that was made, and I'm not going to turn this into a political thing, but just the thought of taking away arts and entertainment and arts entertainment education mm-hmm. from people to make us make our lives more enriching just infuriated me to no end. There is there is a a strong. Um, current 
in American politics right now, which is very afraid, very afraid that um, people are indoctrinating their children with a morality that is not their own. Did you watch Elmo growing up? No. You didn't? No. Never. Because Elmo's the devil? No, I watched Power Rangers. Yeah, that's that's why he's here. That is that explains <laughs> so much. That's why he. That's like, that's why he's one of us. Did you watch Elmo growing up? No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a little too old to have watched Elmo growing up. And I grew up in Mexico, so I watched Plaza Sesamo, <laughs> which is a, which. Well, Matthew Elmo. and I are definitely too old for Elmo, right. but Sesame Street was yeah. Super Grover and mm-hmm. Bert and Ernie mm-hmm. and one two three four five six seven eight nine ten yep. eleven twelve and caterpillars never 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 ever. Wear brown and, boots, and and back when uh, when they actually had Kermit the Frog on Sesame Street yeah, yeah. without getting into a copyright yeah. issue, yeah, 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 those are great well, days. Why? Well, because Disney Kermit owns them now. So it's not actually, easy being green. He's, <laughs> he's a twin. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how, why we got off on that tangent. I apologize, if people listening to us talk about PBS. But you know what? If people aren't used to tangents by now, hi, my name's Matthew. Welcome to the show. I am more interested in why Zach is at twenty one still afraid of horror movies. There was a time, why? and I will oh, say, there was a time. I will tell you why. There was a time. <laughs> he is that going to tell I us would, the scariest story, and now we're not going to be. Able there to was a, it. and I think it was it's made for scary. television movie uh, 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 of the Amityville horrors made for television. Mm-hmm. But there was, and maybe it was the rebroadcast of the Amityville horror television but there's a scene where the person was trying to go down the stairs and the walls are just bleeding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i had a staircase that was resembled that mm-hmm. very much no. and at an as eight years old watching this freaked me out and for 10 years i refused to watch horror movies uh when i was 15 16 my older cousins took me to see life force the ah, outer space vampire, sexy outer space vampires. Patrick Stewart uh, was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, boobies were in there. That were movie. a lot of boobies in that movie. Rated R, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, sat through that, and that night had horrible nightmares. I must have been. Oh, I must have probably been thirteen when I saw that. Mm-hmm. I have to go back and see when that movie came out. But um, which movie? Life, Life Force. Force, outer space vampires uh, take over London. 80, I want to say eighty six. No, no way. Um. Okay. That movie freaked me out. I'm pretty out. sure I could drive when I saw it. Of course, I saw it in a drive-in. So the movie freaked me out. Had horrible nightmares. Even though you know you watch it and it's like, what the f? Uh, couldn't stand. It's hor- got Patrick Stewart in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. 1985. So there course. you go. 85. 85. Um. Yeah. 1986 was way too late. <laughs> no way no, no way, not way. <laughs> no because i would have been driving at that time right. and i would not have been going on to visit my cousins when i was 16 mm-hmm. um but i got to the point where you know what i kind of like the thrill of being scared mm-hmm. and let me watch my parents uh, probably when i was 16 or 17 my entire family is out on a family vacation and i'm earning money by working at a call center and i said i think i want to scare myself mm-hmm I think I will watch this Aliens movie at home at by, night by yourself. during a thunderstorm and just getting the crap scared out of me. Now, at the time, uh, my family had horses mm-hmm. and somehow the gate got open Nice. and I am sitting there and we have this big picture window in the living room 
sitting there watching this aliens movie and all of a sudden this gigantic shape just comes moving past the window and i was like (laughs) and then i was then i was dumb enough to go to the door and open it up and find out what it was uh but something about that it was a cathartic moment this changing Mm -hmm. moment where all of a sudden horror movies are not these things that give me bad dreams at night even though i still have horrible zombie eating your brain dreams uh to something that yeah, you know, horror movies are just okay. I don't like the gore porn movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the horror movie is something that is exciting and, and thrilling now. But it took me 10 years to get over that fear of horror movies. I, I'm curious mm-hmm. as to why you're, you're, and I, that was 18, 16, 17, 18, whenever I got yeah. over that. So I, I'm curious as to why you're It was you're, 18, 16 when Steven was 15. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. When I was in high school, we all went through this stage of, oh, let's watch horror movies and it'll be fun and everything. Right. And that was good for a while. And then we watched a movie called The Strangers. And this movie was about... <gasps> no! Yes. I saw that movie too. Yes. No. <laughs> oh, that movie's awful. <laughs> we watched this movie and it, they're, whatever, two people are in a house in the woods or something. But there are these people in masks that are inside the house hmm. that are in there for like the first half oh, of the yeah, movie. Yeah. And then you only see them in the background, mm-hmm. and that made me want to wet myself. And I, just from that moment on, for like the next probably four months, I just look behind myself every time I come home. And I worked, I was working the night shift for long term care, so I'd come home at two in the morning, and no one would be up, and that scared me. And so I just don't like being. But you watched Red State, didn't you? Don't, you? you don't no, like... see that that movie is terrifying, but in a way that. I don't think someone's going to come up behind me and stab me in the back. Oh, okay. And another, another movie we watched, kind of like Red State, it's called Martha Marcy May Marlene that came out this year. had one of the Olsen sisters in it. Mm-hmm. And it was also terrifying cult kidnapping people, but in a completely different way from Jason hacking, slashing, and all those kinds of things. Those I can get by with. They still scare me a little bit, but that I'm okay with. Matthew, were you oh, ever scared God. of the horror movie? Oh, all the time. Or why, are, or, or why are you why are you saying, "Oh God"? Well, because that particular movie that he's discussing is awful, and not in a good way. It's it's just awful. Which one? There are strangers. buttons strangers? that these yeah. kind of movies push. Yeah. And for instance, my first real horrifying experience was catching Night of the Living Dead before they actually uh, cut it up. Uh, and that's an entertaining turn of phrase. Mm. Uh, Night of the Living Dead used to air relatively undamaged on television. And there's a sequence in Night of the Living Dead that is just re, 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 horrible. Ah, Eating the hot dogs. Where two, yeah. The two characters that we followed throughout the whole film, well, two of the characters that we followed through most of the film, are blowed up and cooked and then the zombies fall all over them. And, arr, 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 arr. and Tom and Judy get Ed up. Yeah. And I'm maybe 10, 11, 12. I don't know. I'm watching All Night Live or something on Channel 41 and horrifying. But that's the fun. Um, I have actually enjoyed all three of the Paranormal Activities movies because of the way they push the buttons with and some of its editing, some of its music, some of it is blatant manipulation and film craft and and stagecraft that I'm aware of. 
Because there's a point in the very first paranormal activity where my ear starts recognizing what's going on before I do. There's moments where everything gets silent and then you start hearing, dun, dun, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And it's really um, low and it's like, boom, boom, boom. That's how you know something scary is going to happen. And my brain is like, something scary is about to happen. Listen to the but music. But you were, you were never at a point where you said, I'm never watching horror movies because they scare me to death. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the point. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when we read uh, Spider-Man Blue and you guys were all like, it made me sad and I didn't like that. I'm like, it made me sad and that was kind of fun. Mm. These movies – trigger an emotional response. And sometimes, especially when you're old and jaded, Stephen, like we are. Oh, if I was jaded, I'd have, sell myself for a million dollars. <laughs> you have to have that emotional response. And <clears throat> horror movies, you know, they push a particular button. I wouldn't necessarily watch, say, I would not watch Night of the Living Dead with the kid. Certainly not for several, several years. But no, I think the whole point of a horror movie is you're either scared of it or you're not. Now, here's something very important. There are a lot of people out there listening right now who are about to hear my words or their words come out of my mouth. And they're like, I don't even like horror movies. I think they're funny. If you are laughing in discomfort, you are feeling the same thing as the people shrieking. Mm -hmm. You're just dealing with it in a different way. If you're laughing because the movie is horrible or the production values are low, that's one thing. But if you're laughing in discomfort, you're trying to defang the imaginary horrors the same way the woman in the front row screeching her brains out, oh, God, Judith, don't go in there. No, Johnny's dead. You're having that same or a similar visceral response. So, you know, if if you're that guy – at least have the decency to admit that you're being affected, maybe in a different way, but you're being affected yeah, by I the guess. horror movie. I, you know, whenever I saw District 9, I was amazed at the number of people that were laughing at the scenes where, you know, people were getting their well, heads, blown off, their hands blown off, their hands blown off. District 9 is a ham-fisted allegory for apartheid. Sure. Uh, what was the... Um, what was the... Uh, like a really terrible one at Where that. was the Tarantino <laughs> movie with the 70s... Uh, Reservoir dogs. Reservoir dogs. No, 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 no. The um, Kill Bill. Grindhouse. No. Grindhouse. There were these group yeah, of guys. Planet Terror was half of it. That was Tarantino's half, I thought. Uh, yeah, and then and the uh, other half was Rodriguez. Rodriguez. That whole thing we saw it before it got split up. That's how cool we were. Yeah. It's um, better after it's split up because probably. the lap dance is. But um, there were these guys in front of us that were just hooting and hollering and thinking. Every bit of violence in there, gory, whatever it was, was the funniest thing in the world. And they were standing up and cheering and laughing and clapping. I'm like, you people are disturbed. So, yeah. I We watched, well, maybe we were watching Drive. Yeah. But yeah. Ryan Gosling mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, yeah, where and he we, stomps the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. Which almost became an NC-17. Yeah, yeah, that is, if you yeah, have oh, But watch. we watched that, uh, a bunch of my roommates watched that, and they laughed oh, oh. so much. And I was... Like so disturbed yeah, with yeah, yeah. him after, like, what? Why do you think this is cool? I just that yeah. I don't get it all. Yeah, Rodrigo, do you get well, the you get the, he the 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 scaredies from the horror movies in a bad way? Well, I do sometimes, but I don't watch a lot of scary movies because I'm lazy to a certain degree, and 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 I'll, I'll explain <laughs> I'll explain why that is. It's because. Maybe not because I'm lazy, but because I kind of have a short attention span for movies. So, um, horror movies, 
depend a lot, like really strongly on a handful of things. First off, they have to be able to set a mood. Mm-hmm. And second, you have to not be able to see the twists coming, right? right the right, thing right. that scares you about a movie is seeing things that you weren't expecting to see. There are a lot of movies out there that are very predictable mm-hmm. or fail to set the mood. Mm-hmm. At which point, 15 minutes in, I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen 10 seconds before it happens. And now I need to sit through another hour and a half of this stupid movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, a horror movie is a huge buy-in for me. And if it doesn't work and it's also not bad enough to be funny, and they rarely are, really. That's that's the problem with horror movies is like, you know, poor action movies are hilarious. Mm-hmm. But poor horror movies are just kind of generally weak and the people under the stairs. They just kind of they just kind of peter around. So, you know, to me, like I I'm not a huge fan of being of that like oh I'm so scared thing. Anyway, yeah, I'm okay with it. I will sit down and watch a good horror movie and be mm-hmm. totally freaked out, and, yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Um, I think uh, like I think The Ring was a really scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed that scariness of it. Um, I watched an awful movie with Famke Jansen. And yes, I know that it's it's difficult if Famke Jansen is on, on screen to, to for the movie to be terrible. But it was. It was about a haunt. Like, she killed her husband and he was haunting her house. But she had, like, an anklet so she couldn't leave the house. Like, she was on house arrest in a haunted house. Um and it was just like like it was scary sometimes and sometimes it wasn't and then like the ghost goes all, goes all murderous just kind of throwing away all the rules that they had established for mm. the ghost and i was like yeah. oh god how much longer is this movie is the this whole the one time? with jeffrey rush i don't remember uh, jeffrey rush is her evil ex-husband and no, you don't. You don't ever see the. Well, okay. maybe you see him in flashbacks. I'm thinking of but the no. house on haunted. Yeah, that's what Hill. I was gonna say. No, that's... this this wasn't that. And like, she kind of has a thing with like a, a, the a guy who delivers her groceries. Right. And then I think, and yeah, I got nothing. Some of it is downright funny because there are scenes where she's like, like the ghost is in the basement. Like the ghost hangs out in the basement, so she like runs down and dusts things in the basement real quick, and then runs back up. It's like that scene was hilarious, and it just totally works against the mood. And then all of a sudden, the ghost is like literally killing people, and it's like, why didn't it do that before? Hmm. If the ghost can just kill people, why hasn't it just been doing it and just kept framing her since he hates her so much? Oh, uh, it I, gets more powerful when Mika starts yelling at it. I guess. I, 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 I like the horror movies, do. but I don't go out of my way. I mean, I, I like them if there's a good one. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched Paranormal Activity, the first one. Mm-hmm. I saw Saw, but I haven't you seen should. any of the sequels. It's, it's, I've got it. I, honestly, there is a stack of movies that I have that I haven't gotten to. One A movie that I was lamenting that that is not on iTunes or Netflix or Hulu is a movie that today still gives me the willies, and that is Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh, it's a Disney movie, Ooh, and it's a Ray Bradbury story, and there's something about it in the way that it's innocent, yet it's got these terrifying moments of kids making wishes that they shouldn't make wishes on mm. and dabbling with magics uh, that they shouldn't be dabbling with. And it's a, just a great little movie that's still the scene where they're hiding in the library 
And okay, uh, I just jumped. My hairbrush fell off the couch. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh god! <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I, I've got a stack of movies that I that I need. Paranormal Activity. Uh, what is it? The uh, fourth kind, or the I think is what it is. Can I we stop a, this? Because you three are in a well lighted room um, together. You can turn <laughs> on your lights. House. Um, no, I can't. I'm trying to think I'm of tethered. some other. I'm trying to think of some other scary movies that I want to watch that I haven't. I, I. I'm going. I think we've talked about this about having to watch the fourth kind, like here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, yeah. my Did I give my, it to you to borrow. No, or no, you'd no, already no. seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. But I can't because uh, my girlfriend doesn't like movies about aliens. Ah, okay. and I'm and I'm I'm really not going to watch a scary movie by myself. I mean, I you know if it's legitimately <laughs> supposed to be scary, I kind of don't want to watch it by myself because a there's nobody there to make fun of me when I scream like a girl. <laughs> and that's part of the fun of it. Really. But, um and B, you do kind of want to have another person there to be like, okay, that was just a movie, right? Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> I like watching horror movies by myself. Oh, really? Because then, oh, you, then you can let your mind just get horrendous, horrendously wrapped up. And then, so I watch my movies at night now mm-hmm. before I go to bed because right. that's the only time I can really. Because I was going through the list of movies that I want to watch, R R R R R, and it's like I can't watch this. So it's all pirate with movies. The youngins. Yes, they're all pirate <laughs> movies. <laughs> Score one for Rodrigo. Uh, but I like watching those kind of horror movies late at night by myself where I can go and then go to bed. And then, you know, I kind of, you know, they're, and I've told you guys about my horrific nightmares. That sure, I have. sure. Uh, but some of the ones like the zombies and the Frankenstein movie, uh, Dreams. Those are the ones that are the most fun. See, and that's the they thing. They scare it- the crap out of me, but I wake up the next morning going, oh my God, that was so realistic. I- I freak. I I completely awake, freak myself out all the time because I have a pretty active imagination, and I think of scenes. I think yeah. of scenes from or, or scenes that I would put in a movie, things that are like seem like a good idea, you know, stuff that I would use for critical hit. Right. And every once in a while, I would be like, like I'll I'll see like a corner like in my house. Like where the, there's a giant spider sitting there going, "Hey, Rodrigo, how you doing? I hey, think you're gonna hey, ride me into uh, Hey, Rodrigo, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine, MCP pants. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a big... Um, Melty face guy. No. There's a, uh, a street lamp right outside, oh, right yeah, outside yeah, yeah. my house, oh, you right? you told me about this story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a street lamp right outside my house, and uh, so there's always light coming into my house, right, right, right. even at night. But there is one corner in my house that is, like, right above above both of the windows where, like, it is just perfectly dark yeah, yeah, yeah and i wasn't like oh i'm so scared of that spot i was like that's cool there's a spot in my house that the light doesn't touch yeah yeah. what would i do with this oh i that would be like a thing and then i'm like oh crap now i'm thinking about this <laughs> you see oh, the, don't look at the spot the, the, the uh sarah michelle geller movie where the the shadows kind of like creep out and come down yeah i mean there's there's a lot of great visuals you know i a while back i reviewed uh fable three yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is a video game that has a mo- that has moments in it that are genuinely scary. There's this thing called the crawler, uh-huh. and it talks to you, and it's like, but it's like this amorphous blob of darkness oh, that cool. just kind of like infuses itself into things. Amazing, great imagery, yeah, yeah. right? But but that's the thing is, I start thinking about things that would be scary if I was telling somebody a story or if I was doing a movie or something like that, and then I'm like, oh crap, that's actually scary. <laughs> I think in a future uh, top five, we ought to. Talk about the top five. Have we done a top five scary movies? Um, I don't know that we maybe. have. Maybe. It's not like we can't do it again. 
or, or we can just think, talk about the top five things that scare us mm-hmm, in a future mm-hmm. episode. But I know in an upcoming oh, episode we have be more the top parents, <laughs> the top five uh, favorite drinks are coming. That was a up depressing next, episode, uh, and I was part of it. All right, uh, that wraps it up. We want to know what terrifies you. Uh, do you watch cutting funding to PBS? That's what terrifies <laughs> yeah, me. What we talked about the devil. Yes, candle we talked heads. about candle the rating heads. system. Mm-hmm. We've talked about candleheads and scary movies and why we don't like to watch horror movies. Cutting funding to PBS. All the things that are terrifying. Woo-hoo. And the ghost train coming down the tracks is also terrifying. Ka-ka, so ka-ka, uh, ka-ka. And head over to Major Spoiler. Share your thoughts, your comments, your ideas, your reflections, whatever. We've started the conversation. We want you to continue it. Until next time, uh, keep reading the comic books. Keep coming back to Majorspoilers.com. Thanks for the donations. Use uh, the Amazon.com link and so much more. And we'll talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew To kick my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm start raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. 
Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.